I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Hey, we are talking about Pixar's Soul this week. And uh, the reason we're doing this movie this week is because as this episode is being released, Soul is actually getting released into theaters. Uh, looks, Yeah, it looks like uh, Disney has uh, realized their mistake in reversing some of JPEG's decisions by giving uh, the, the, the Pixar movies that they sent directly to Disney Plus the theatrical run that they should have gotten to begin with. Soul will be going into theaters on January 12th. Turning Red will be going into theaters February 9th. And Luca on March 22nd. We have done episodes on Turning Red and Luca. You can go back to those episodes if you like, if you haven't listened to them already. And yes, we are now doing Soul. Um, this movie came out 2020, and this was already delayed, delayed, delayed because of the pandemic. Like, all of the theaters were shut down. Very few movies were going into theaters. And the the, and the, the few movies that did release during that 2020, that, that's, that most of 2020 didn't really make a lot of money because people were just not ready to go back into theaters yet. And looking at the numbers from the last few years, some people still aren't ready to go back into theaters. Because if you look at the, the the numbers of even the big hits like Mario and Barbie and Oppenheimer, not really getting the numbers that movies of the same caliber were getting five, six years ago. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you look at the the credits, it says things like, you know, this movie was completed in households six feet away from each other you know i mean that this movie was also completed partially during the pandemic yeah so um this is one of the disney movies that they had to do some of the final uh animation and editing during lockdown Putting this movie directly on Disney Plus, I understand, because there were a couple of other movies that also, not just from Disney, but from other studios that were going directly to streaming services because theaters were, were closed down. And, and and your mileage may vary on that. But even if this movie had gone into theaters Christmas 2020, I don't think this would have gotten gotten... The, the numbers people were just not ready to go back into theaters at the time uh, maybe they should have waited six months and released it then but but who knows i mean we're kind of getting that now movies were delayed six to eight months because of the strikes but uh i'm just glad that these movies are getting the theatrical runs that they should have gotten to begin with and i mean there was a lot of complaining over the decision to put them on streaming because it was specifically the Pixar movies that were going to streaming and not the Walt Disney Pictures animated movies. I well, mean, even Spies in Disguise got a theatrical run. And granted, that was right after the, the granted, that probably was already a pre-established uh, contract with Fox and the theater chains, but Disney allowed that to go through but not, you know, the Pixar movies. With the exception of uh, of Lightyear. I'm going to be honest, and I mean, you know, spoiler for the big question at the end, but I honestly think that coming out on streaming was better for this film because 
had I gone to a theater to see this, I would have been a lot angrier at this movie. But the fact that, you know, I turned on streaming and I watched it and I went, meh. And then I went and watched something else. Uh, I think made me slightly kinder to this film. Mm. Plus, you can kind of pause it and if, if or whatever. But, like, I like the idea of the movie, whether it was executed well, we're, we'll get into it, but the idea of the concept of a soul, where we come from, where we go, and using that as a basis of a movie, what makes us, us, is a great concept. And, but, you know, I, I don't know if that would work for a Disney family movie. Uh, especially when they do their best to tiptoe around any religious connotations with the afterlife. They mention heaven and hell, but they never mention any specific religion or even mention God. So, again, your own preference on that. I will let you decide that. And I kind of respect them taking the general concept of the afterlife and the before life and trying to make that a movie without trying to make it about any particular religion. But it also feels like they could have gone further with it, but I don't know if a Disney family animated movie had the guts to do that. Overall, I like the cast. There's a lot of people in here I like. I'm generally a fan of Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. And you have like some some really good appearances by like Graham Norton. Uh Rachel House is back. Um and we like her. We've talked about her before, of course. I mean, and, I just saw What If and she was amazing. Uh, <laughs> she yeah, more, she's she's back in the second season of What If, which is great. Well, she had more lines in the one episode she was in than she wasn't that she had in the entirety of Ragnarok. Yeah. Um uh she's she's really good in this and then of course you've got like um Richard Iowate and uh Questlove and Angela Bassett shows up and uh Felicia Rashad and you know so I mean uh, um I think Fortune Feimster is in this as well so you know there's there's lots of really cool people in this movie but I do not like the quote-unquote moral of this movie. And uh, it grates on me. I mean, it's... I mean, the the name... The, the thing is in the title, Soul. We have our, our main character, Joe, who has kind of had the worst luck in terms of following his dreams. His dream is to be a jazz musician and make that his career. Hasn't exactly gone that way to the point of him being a music teacher to pay the bills. And when he finally gets his big break, he dies. Well, he ends up in a coma. He's supposed to die, but he's he's in he's in that limbo state of. His body is in the hospital in a coma and his soul is heading toward the afterlife. And he's like, no. I ain't dying like this. As he says, I, you know, uh, I ain't dying before I got a chance to live. Yeah, I just got my big break and uh, I'm not going out like this. And he. In trying to escape the afterlife, he ends up in the before life. And they mistake him for a mentor to un unborn souls i guess that's the the way to put it normally a mentor is like a famous person a a really famous or influential 
person who has done great deeds. You know, they talk about like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Abe Lincoln, you know, Abe Lincoln and Aristotle and you know all the all these kind of you know they help souls find their spark so that they're ready to go down to earth and live. Joe accidentally gets paired up, you know, he's he picks up a a random name tag and because of that they think he's a different soul that is meant to be there and he gets paired up with Tina Fey's 22 who has been there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and hasn't earned her earth pass to go down to earth because she hasn't found her spark of life yeah the 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 souls are all given a number before they're sent to earth to be born and we've got these long numbers for the for the for the new souls and she is number 22 she is literally the 22nd soul put into existence the amount of people that have lived and died since creation, you can kind of figure it out how long she's been there. She's very stubborn and she doesn't want to go down to Earth because she rightfully realizes that Earth is a crap show. Um, And she's like, you know what? Hey, it's it's kind of great up here. I, I got my thing I can do. I can I can, you know, just chill out. Uh, there's no pain up here. I can, you know, do whatever I want. And but you uh, also you don't feel anything. You can't eat anything. You can't. Basically, the things that make life worth living don't exist in the before life. I mean, she's got a point. I'm not arguing with with 22, but like, you know, like. I mean, the movie wants us to argue with 22. But I have a feeling that this movie was written by a bunch of able people with decent lives. So, you know, Hmm. screw them. But anyway, she's just like, nah, you know, this this place is kind of chill. There's no pain or suffering here. And Earth seems like, you know, really crappy. And, you know, it's it's loud and full of nonsense and you know i'll just stay here thank you and uh you know based so um go 22 joe is like hey if i if i find you your spark i can steal your earth pass and go back to earth and you know do my do my gig and have my dream and through a series of shenanigans, they end up meeting Graham Norton. Yeah, they they end up going into the zone. Basically, if you've ever done something and you zone out and you get into whatever it is you're doing, your soul goes to the zone where your body's kind of on automatic and you're you've for lack of a better term you reach nirvana and um, it's not just musicians it's athletes it's pretty much anything and as 22 says she likes to screw with them to get I, I like that she's that she goes in there and she throws rocks at like the basketball player and she's like i've been screwing with this team for years and then it's like oh the knicks lose again <laughs> That is I, that is a great joke though. I'm I'm not even a sports person and I found that funny. You know, and then it's also there's like the dark side of it where it's the souls that become so disconnected from life that they become lost souls. And we see one that's just like trade, trade, and then you find out that it's like some kind of stockbroker dude. And his life is so awful because all he does is stonks. And he's just become this horrible, you know, gray monster. Lost the will to live. Yeah. Uh, as, as, As they say, you know, once you become disconnected from what makes your life living, you become a lost soul. 
Yeah. But, you know, this poor guy is stuck in a dead end job doing the same monotonous thing every day for who knows how long his will to live is just non-existent until they help him find his spark, as it were, to live again. And he's just, I'm free. I don't have to do this anymore. And then he just wrecks that office, which, again, based. So <laughs> if you happen to be stuck in a job that works with stonks, do that. Just just <laughs> wreck the office. You will be doing the universe a favor. But, yeah, I love the idea of the Graham Norton character, the, like, Moonbeam or whatever he's called, Moonwind. Or- Moonwind, yeah. And his zen, his his reason for living, his the thing he does better than anyone is just he stands on a street corner and spins a sign for a store. And I kind of I kind of get it. It's like it's not the greatest job in the world. It's not a glorious job, but it's something he can do really, really well. And he likes doing it. I can respect that, even if you are in like, you know. There are people who have dreams that don't exactly lead to fortune and fame. They just want to do this one thing that makes them happy. And for for Moonwind, it's just spinning this sign on this street corner. That's his job, and that makes him happy, and he gets into the zone. I really need to to talk about some of my issues with this movie. Because you were talking about how you don't think this could have ever been a mainline Disney movie. No, and that's not what I meant. I meant it's well, there's a lot of the philosophies of souls and where we're coming from. I mean, again, trying to do that without the religious connotations to it. But I don't think this movie goes far enough with it because it's a it's tied to the Disney Corporation. Like, if it was a different studio and if it wasn't, for I, I hate saying it, if this wasn't marketed as a family movie, it could have gone further with the concept. Well, I think you're on the right track, but I think you're slightly on a parallel track. All right, go for it. Because I think that the thing that I'm like, okay, this needed to be a Pixar movie instead of a mainline Disney animation is because I think this is the first Disney movie, quote unquote, that's like, you know, we talk about like Pixar's like, what if Blank had feelings? Mm. But this is less what if souls had feelings as what if dreams didn't matter? And that, you know, I've I've made jokes before about like, well, I kind of wish Disney had a bit more realistic, you know, thing, because maybe like our generation would have grown up with a little less trauma. But now that I've seen it in a film version, I realize that, no, I do not want that. I I was very wrong. I rescind all of my previous statements. That that was that was bad of me to say. This is an awful moral. <laughs> Cause like I mean let like let's just go ahead and skip ahead if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to us like rehash the plot. Stop it and watch the movie if you care. I I don't think it matters. But like. Kind of the whole thing of this this movie is like him being like, you know, our main character's like, I have to get back to Earth so I can have my big shot. And then he has his big shot and he's like, that was very unfulfilling. The point of life is just to, like, live life. And it's you kind of hit on it with the, the Moonwind thing. Hmm. Like, and I'm not knocking Moonwind. Okay. Part of my like philosophy is that if if people's needs were met, like if 
everybody just had like you know food and shelter and you know the basic survival needs people would find happiness doing all kinds of stuff like not everybody wants to be like wants to have the standard rich and famous contract that's not everybody's dream nor should it be I'm not I'm not saying, you know, people find their happiness wherever they want. You know, some people would like to just spend the rest of their life gardening. Some people want to be, you know, a great musician. Some people want to teach others. Some people, you know, want to, you know, be a parent. Some people want, you know. Everybody's got their own version of what a fulfilling life looks like, and they should. And I support that. Okay. But the point of this movie just seems to be like go with the flow, and whatever happens to you, equally fine, which is. A really crappy capitalist version of nonsense. Mm. And I do not like it. Like like uh, Joe here says, you know, I was born to play music. It's my spark. It's my reason for existence. And he gets and uh, he gets told by by the Jerry's the the. Our angel substitute in this movie Told him, no, that's not what a spark is at all. There's no destiny. There is no meant for anything. You just discovered that through your life, and that's not what a spark is. A spark isn't a reason for being, a a, a purpose in life. There is no purpose in life. You all, you humans, create your own. De- you know, you, you humans create their own destiny. There's not one plotted out for them. Also, when we get to the uh, the barbershop. Where they mentioned that the barber, you uh, you were made, you were born to cut people's hair. And he says, no, I wasn't. My dream was to be a vet- veterinarian. I just became a barber because barber school was cheaper than veterinarian school, and I have a family to feed. But I'm good at it. I get to talk to a lot of people every day, and, you know, it's it makes me happy. So the, the, the idea, you know, this kind of... <laughs> You know, it kind of, it's very much anti-Disney. It kind of throws the idea of destiny and purpose and meant to be right out the window. Fundamentals of the Disney fantasy movies. So I can understand why some people may not like that idea that there is no purpose to life. You just live. That there is no great destiny. You just live. Like... Like 22, when she's in Joe's body, she finds the spark of life, just living life. You know, I could do, I could look at the sky. I'm good at that. I could walk. I'm good at that. And then Joe kind of says, well, that's just living. That's not a purpose. That's not a spark. That's not destiny. That's just living. Which ends up being the moral. Just live. (laughs) Don't worry about a destiny. Don't worry about a purpose. Don't worry about any of that. Just live your life to the fullest that you can. Which on paper is a great moral. Live life to the fullest. But as you said, the movie is also telling you your dream does not matter. Whatever you destiny you think exists for yourself whatever uh purpose in life you have for yourself your destiny your whatever doesn't exist and does not matter again <laughs> flying in the face of what we've been taught to all these past disney movies for the past 100 years but let's go back to the barber okay mm-hmm. now Here's the thing. There are. I think that people can be. 
good at multiple things, mm-hmm. like extremely competent at multiple things. And I do think that people can find, you know, some sort of enjoyment, pleasure, fulfillment in multiple things. Okay. But let's take a look at the barber. Now, he's a good barber. Okay. And he does seem to be getting some enjoyment and fulfillment out of his life. Okay, and that's that's good. He was denied the thing he wanted to do because barber school was cheaper. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. We don't know if as good a barber he is, maybe he would have been the world's best veterinarian. He might have cured cancer in animals. Mm hmm. You know, maybe dogs would live for 50 years if that guy had become a veterinarian. We have no idea because barber school was cheaper and he had a family to take care of. Mm. Now, maybe he is happier as a barber. Maybe he was never meant to be a veterinarian. We don't know. Because the point is, he was denied the opportunity to try. If the point of the movie had been, I tried a thing and I discovered, like, oh, I was I was wrong. I actually enjoy option B more, then that's a different moral, you know? The thing I thought I wanted is not the thing I wanted, you know, and there have been, you know, movies, even Disney movies that have kind of gone through that. I mean, you can argue that Frozen is kind of like that, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that it's trying to make the moral like. And I understand kind of the point of they're using jazz and improvisation and kind of go with the flow but it's just kind of like accept whatever happens to you and I think that that's like a really toxic thing to teach people the movie is also about obsession as 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 moon as moon says when happiness becomes obsession, one becomes disconnected from life. It's what starts the path down to a lost soul. And we kind of see that with Joe with his obsession over jazz music. And he's been obsessed with jazz music since he was a child. When his dad took him to a nightclub that played jazz music. And even everyone around him says, all you talk about is jazz music. And when 22 is in his in his body and starts talking about philosophy and life, you know, life philosophy. Then people actually start getting to know him, getting to know Joe more. They start he starts to know more about the people around him. This is why he learns that the barber wanted to be a veterinarian at first. He starts to just, you know, let go of that obsession and just talk about something else literally anything else i mean we all know that one person that talks about the one thing he says while he's talking about a disney podcast and that's a a something that that joe has to learn is that and like you said when you finally you know sometimes when you reach that that peak that there there's there's no joy there's no no happiness like you said with when he finally got his dream of being in that jazz gig and doing what he loves on stage he felt nothing he finally accomplished his dream of being in a jazz band and they offered him the position you're in the band you're a permanent member of the band and he just felt nothing And I love the analogy that the singer gives him about the fish. You know, the fish wants to go to the ocean, 
And the other fish says, well, what do you think you're in? Now, this is just water. I want to be in the ocean. The movie is also trying to teach the viewer that it's okay to like something. Just don't make it your obsession or you could also miss out on life. I think it's a it's not told as eloquently as they think it's being told. Because it, it like like you said, it, it does have a a sour taste when that moral finally comes into play. And maybe that was intentional, but it doesn't no offense, it wasn't very entertaining. I'm going to be honest, I've seen this movie a few times, and the worst offense a movie can be is boring. Not that not bad, because a bad movie can still be entertaining for the wrong reasons, but entertaining. Yeah, at least you can, like, riff on it and stuff. Yeah, You the, can't even do that to this movie. You can't. The worst thing a movie can be is boring. The first hour of this movie is so boring. And this is only from start credits to from the start of the movie, the start of the opening credit, that Disney logo with the school band playing When You Wish Upon a Star. Perfect intro, by the way. Oh, I will say this movie is really great because if you are an actual like band teacher, and your band is not very good, and you want them to play When You Wish Upon a Star, you can always say that you're doing it in the style of soul, and <laughs> you can get away with it, which, <laughs> yeah. awesome. From that point all the way to the end, the beginning of the end credits is 90 minutes. An hour of the movie is boring. And honestly, this movie feels like it's in half an hour too long. And when I'm saying that about a 90-minute Disney movie, that's saying something. Yeah, I will say that, and I hate to say it because I hate this trope, and we've already talked about it in other movies, especially like Princess and the Frog. Oh, I was getting to that one. Yeah, oh, let's, yeah, let's, no. Let's go, I, let's go. I, yeah, let's go. But... I mentioned Spies in Disguise. <laughs> yep. This is another movie where the black character spends a lot of the movie not being in their own body. Not being a human body, at least. And, and, or not being a human body. I mean, he spends a lot of the movie being a soul. And then when he gets back to Earth, he spends most of the time being a cat because shenanigans. And the soul voiced by the white woman ends up in his body learning all the, you know, stuff and, you know, oh, hey, look at me. I'm learning morals and stuff. Which you know at least when we get the 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 characters from the outside perspective of everyone around them joe still sounds like jamie fox the cat sounds like a cat but when we're in these characters own perspectives joe sounds like tina fey and the cat sounds like jamie fox so i like that that it's not just uh, you know, all of a sudden people are wondering why this this tall black man sounds like a like a white woman. It's just the perspective that we're in for the movie. So at least it's smart enough to explain that away. But it's still the black lead is not human for most of the movie. Like I said, like in Princess and the Fraud, like in Spies in Disguise, even though Spies in Disguise didn't become a Disney movie until long after it was completed. But yeah, there's that trope that a lot of people hate. Uh, that when the main character of color doesn't get to be a human for most of the movie. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't particularly like it, but I hate to say it, the bit where it's, you know, that the body swap thing with the cat, I hate to say it, but that's the most interesting and entertaining part of the film. 
And that's I, an hour into the movie. Yeah. And it's not most of the movie, but it has the best kind of jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's more interesting. I don't like the trope of like, oh, you know, here's the lead of color and now they're, you know, some animal or whatever. But at least the the jokes and the like fresh perspective on Earth and living in a human body and stuff, that kind of stuff is at least funny-ish mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the movie. And, you know, people's reaction to, like, what is this weird cat doing is kind of funny. You know, like, when you see it from other people's perspective and the cat's just like, and they're like, what is up with the cat? You know, that's kind of funny compared to the rest of the movie. But. It's still not great compared to, like, most other Pixar movies or, you know, whatever. But compared to the rest of its own movie internally, that is the best part of the movie. Like I said, that's an hour into a 90-ish minute movie. Yeah. And that's bad. Like, the first... you could condense the first hour of this movie down by half an hour and really miss nothing. I mean, a lot of it is just over and over 22 going like how she annoyed various historical figures. And that could have been like a three minute montage, but they keep going back to it over and over and over again. I guess it's to show how much it affected 22. So when we get to the big climax where 22, you know, spoiler, 22 becomes a lost soul. And in her own little tornado of anxiety and grief and depression, all of her former mentors, including Joe, talking her down. You know, you don't deserve to go to Earth. You're you're impossible to deal with. Your dream is just to live. That's lame. So it's like, it's too, I get it that it's to explain 22 as a character, but that could have just been, like you said, that could have been cut down so much. While Rachel Rachel House is good in the role of Terry, this movie focuses on Terry too much. Terry's obsession with fixing the count because a soul got away. Well, other than that. We don't have any sort of villain, which we've talked before about, you know, new Disney not really having villains. Mm -hmm. And Terry is the closest thing we have to a villain in the film. Which, honestly, while I like her performance, you're right that it's kind of... I guess we needed some stakes, but it also could have been like, you know, if you don't reunite with your body by, you know, midnight at the stroke of, you know, you could have done the Cinderella glass slipper thing or something, you know. Or even freaking the all dogs go to heaven thing. Touch that clock and you can never come back. Like once you leave, for lack of a better term, heaven, you can't go back. Yeah, I mean, you you could you could do any number of things that didn't involve, you know, a character, you know, mm-hmm. a time limit or some kind of MacGuffin or, you know, you have to make it to this doorway before, you know, whatever. But, I mean, and the thing is, I did like Terry as a character. <laughs> like Terry how obsessed. Very much, Terry's, yeah, the number of obsessed character. The very egotistical, oh, we fixed the count, and Terry, we're going to give you this trophy that you insisted we give you. I love that that Terry insisted on the trophy. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, that's so great. <laughs> Thank you for this trophy that I insisted on. And again, for all the problems that 
the person of color not being a human for most of the movie has 22 getting the chance to live even if it's through joe's body is actually entertaining this this character that has denied or has resisted going to earth to live accidentally getting a chance to live and loving life and finding their spark that way is an interesting idea you know the person that never wanted to live who never found their spark in the in the before life finds their spark of life just living life their will to live is found just by living which is an interesting idea i just wish that it had been implemented earlier in the movie and not an hour into it yeah this this movie is like three movies in one because it keeps changing text like throughout Mm -hmm. i will say that possibly my favorite thing of like 22 ending up on earth is that they establish that there is no sensory information really in the before life you know you you don't have a sense of touch or smell or taste or anything so uh when 22 gets to earth and has the meltdown and is like nope i'm just gonna stay huddled here until your body dies um the the thing that joe does in the cat's body is go steal a a slice of pizza and bring it to 22 and is like here eat this and then 22 is like okay that this is awesome i like pizza and I'm no longer angry anymore. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, but I will say, ha- having had New York pizza, fair. As you say to the Chicagoan. Yeah, I was going to say, if this had been set in Chicago and he he brought her a slice of Chicago pizza, that would not have worked. Because uh-huh. Chicago pizza is aw- awful. Uh-huh. Thank you for joining us on the final episode of Rewatching the Magic, folks. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. stand by it. Chicago pizza is the worst thing ever. It is tomato sauce in a bread bowl. And I do not like it. The big emotional moment here is Joe's own confrontation with his mother. And, you know, that the opening part of the movie where his mother is saying, you know, you could finally get rid of that silly fantasy of wanting to be a famous musician and get a real job as a teacher. They're giving you a full time position as a teacher, benefits, pension, health, you know, health benefits, pensions, the whole nine. And he's just that's not what he wants to do. That's not the life he wants to live. He just wants to play in front of an audience and and just entertain. And that big moment. Now, granted, I think the emotional moment would have been better if if 22 wasn't really repeating what Joe is telling her in the cat body. But when they switch to the mother's POV and it's just joe as with jamie fox's voice telling her hey all my life you shut me down from my dream and now i have the chance to actually do something that i want to do live my life the way i want to live it and you're shooting me down it's a great emotional moment and i'm glad that they switched the perspective that that is that it's jamie fox saying those lines and not tina fey all respect to tina fey all respect to tina fey but it's still his, you know, it's Joe saying these words in that scene from looking at it through his mother's perspective and not 22 saying these words, even though that's what it is. The thing is, is that you kind of have to wonder, like, if she had been more supportive of her son, 
Might he have had an easier time of it? Maybe. And from the mother's perspective, she can you can kind of get her perspective on it that, you know, his his dad spent his entire life trying to have the same dream. And in the end, her little tailor shop was the only thing making money for the family. And he doesn't want she doesn't she doesn't want her son going down the same path, even though that's the path he wants to go down. That's his dream. Just all he wanted was his mother to support him in his dream. And he even says, you know, it's my reason for living. Being a musician is all he's ever wanted to do in his whole life. And now he's gets this chance and his mother is just disappointed in him. And again, it's a great scene. It's probably one of the best scenes in the movie. And you may, you know, think, like I said, you have that point is that had his mother been more supportive of his dream, would they be having that conversation in that moment? Even if he never had gotten that 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 dream gig or ever ever once got close to having that dream fulfilled, would he be complaining about it now? Would he be feeling like he's going nowhere being a teacher? I say to the teacher. The thing is, is that he finally gets a shot at his job because of a former student who believes in him. You know, America has this really toxic idea of like, you know, just get out there and make it on your own, you know, bootstraps and blah, 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 you know. But that's not true. No, nobody, nobody does anything on their own. He gets his chance because a former student really believes in him and gets him the hookup. I think that's important that, you know, it shows that guy going to bat for him. But, yeah, to have his former student call him out of the blue, hey, we need a piano player for this gig. Can you make it? And then doing the audition and blowing the singer away, you're in. Sometimes you just need people to look out for you. And not everybody has that. Let's be real. Not everybody has the connection. You know, there's the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it is true. Sometimes you just need that connection to, to get an in to get to, 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 to that next level. And for him, for, for Joe, it was one of his students. And the thing about it is, I, you know, just like that student believed in him and got him the job and stuff, I just wonder if he had had the support of, you know, his mom and the guys at the barbershop or, you know, whatever. The other, the the other seamstresses. Yeah. If he would, um, if he would have made it further earlier. Possibly. And in a way, he kind of does the same thing with one of his students who shows great promise playing the trombone as he tries to, he tries to encourage her even, even when she gets into the zone herself and she's ashamed of it because she's like the only good player in the school band. (laughs) Even coming to the point, coming to his house to quit because she, she doesn't feel that she's good enough. 22 in, 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 in Joe's body doesn't really say anything. If anything, she's agreeing with her. Like, yeah, yeah, life sucks, kid. I am agreeing with you. You shouldn't, you should not even try. Don't even bother. Life sucks. But the kid's not leaving listening to what she's saying. She's just saying, you know, getting all of her frustrations out and said, oh yeah, I'm going to keep playing because I'm good at it. That's a nice little note there. Cause sometimes all you need is someone to listen. 
and that does go back to to that conversation that Joe uh, 22 Joe has with with the mom is he just wanted his mom to listen to him. Yes, support him, but just wanted to listen to to listen to what he had to say. And I get that's part of the, the, the moral in the movie. Life sucks, but you keep going. Whether that is a good part of the moral or not, I will leave that up to you. <laughs> through all of this, through all this entire adventure, 22 finds her spark. She has lived life and she is ready. You know, she has completed her Earth badge. She can go to Earth at any time she wants and live life. And it is that that third act heel turn of Joe saying, you know, you're only got you only have the spark because I have the spark. You you stole my life. You don't deserve this, which only adds to 22's own insecurities of not being good enough to go to Earth. She succeeds in finding her spark and it's taken away from her. I mean, imagine that. Imagine you have succeeded in the thing that you have been trying to do for however long and it's taken away from you because someone said you weren't good enough. That has to hurt. But luckily, you know, Joe does see the error in his ways and gives her back the bag saying, you deserve a chance to live. And it's a, you know, it's a great moment. And they give, you know, the Jerry's give him that chance. Hey, you, you didn't have to do that and you did it. And we're giving you a second chance to live. And he says, I'm going to live my life to the fullest. And that's kind of where the movie ends. Like, like, there's no epilogue here. He's just, he gets another chance to live. He says he's going to live his life to the fullest. And then the movie ends. Like, does he go continue to work with the band? Does he go back to being a teacher? Does he do anything? We don't know because the movie never tells us. He just goes out of his his apartment, says he's going to live life to the fullest, and that's it. I feel if you had taken a little bit back, like I said, the movie doesn't really get going until the hour mark. If we had cut some of that back and give us like a five to ten minute epilogue of what Joe does or even seeing baby 22. That would have ended the movie on a little more of a positive spin. Because to me, the movie just ends. Which also to me gives the idea that it doesn't matter what he does. That, uh, I mean, I understand that, and that's kind of the message of the movie. But like I said, that's not a very satisfactory, entertaining ending. I agree. Realistic ending, sure, but not entertaining. And part of a movie is to be entertaining. There's a lot of great concepts in this movie. It's just held back by so much. I've seen a lot of other movies that pull off the themes in this movie so much better. All Dogs Go to Heaven, Defending Your Life, Ghost, Heaven Can Wait, The Heavenly Kid, Being Human, Chances Are, Hello Again, What Dreams May Come, A Dog's Purpose, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. But Disney Family Movie really holds this movie back. And as much as I hate saying it, being animated holds this movie back because it is expected to be Disney family movie. If this was done by a different studio that can really go more into the concept of the afterlife and what makes us who we are and the spark of life and more of that stuff, that this would have been a more entertaining movie. But... As this movie is, as this movie is, I've said it before in this podcast, this movie commits the worst cinema sin, and I'll say that word, and much as I don't like you that to say it, the biggest sin this movie has is that it's boring. 
and a movie should never be boring. Two-thirds of this movie is boring. And I hate saying it because I wanted this movie to be... Because, like I said, when I saw the trailers for this movie, when I heard of what this movie was about and the concepts in this movie, it all sounded really good. It just never reaches the potential that a movie like this could be. And that is disappointing. I am going to agree with all of that. I mean... Yeah, the the boredom is the biggest sin, and the second biggest sin is I just think that the moral, for lack of a better term, is just really antithetical to what Disney has built its brand on. And I know that everybody's going to be like, but this is Pixar. Shut up. It's Disney. Uh, which kind of makes me afraid of how this is going to go over now that it's getting a theatrical release. Now, granted, there's probably people who like the movie as it is, and if that's you, great. And the idea of a movie being focused on jazz music and a jazz musician and a person of color in the lead, that might be enough for people. But I don't know if having if this movie having been on Disney Plus for the last three years, is there an audience who would see this movie on the big screen? We'll find out because as of this recording, it hasn't been re- it hasn't been released in the theaters yet. Yeah, I will say that I did like the music. Yes, because it's say that. it's John Batiste doing the the jazz pieces, and then um, Trent Reznor did the score. You know the and, you know, I like the, the music that comes out of both those people. So, yeah, uh, the music is really good. I mean, the animation is also very good because the Pixar, you know. And each character looks unique, which I will give them credit for. No, even whether they are a human or they're a soul, they look unique and you can identify each character just by their silhouette, which is always a plus in animation. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not completely messed up, but I think it's just the, the story that fails. Yeah. So, I mean, magic, man, I, I hate saying no. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I I hate to say it because I really wanted to like this one, but yeah, no magic. Good luck for the theatrical run, Soul. You're going to need it. Yeah. Of the three films, and we've covered the other two on the podcast, of these three films, if you had to say which one of these movies would you watch in a theater, I would say Turning Red. Like... uh, I would watch Turning Red over both. And I like Luca. Go back to our episode on Luca. It's just of the three, if I had to choose one. Yeah, I, I'd see Turning Red over both of these movies. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, same. So, yeah. And if if if, uh, if you're one of those people who are going to see it in the theaters, uh, more power to you. It, I, I probably will not. Yeah, I'm definitely skipping this one in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry for the downer, folks. But uh, let's move on to our to next week. Uh, we are going to be taking a look at a classic movie. Back, going back to the 80s, going back to the old Touchstone movies, Splash. The movie about the young mermaid girl who falls in love with the human. And I feel like we did this movie already. (laughs) Yeah, but this one has a but, or at least it used to before Disney Plus covered it up. Oh, yeah. CGI hair over Daryl Hannah's butt. We get to complain about that. Is it still? It probably still there in the Disney Plus version. Yeah. Yeah, so this, but this one has Daryl Hannah, it has Tom Hanks, and it takes place in 1980 and not in fantasy Disney 
thing. So yeah, come back, come back next week for Splash, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic, and new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at aclu.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.